Hello, I'm Father Fred Caldwell, a Catholic priest in McKinney, Texas. And my name is George. I've been studying the Bible and religion all my life. Together, we'll be taking a new and often unexpected look at all things spiritual. And our podcast is named Soul Survivors. Good morning, Father Fred. We're about to start episode 20. That sounds good. And, and today, we're privileged. We have my grandson here with me, Noah. Noah, last time we talked, you were planning on some homecoming dates. How did those go? I was able to secure one of them today. Next week is still questionable. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to get you in trouble, so I'm not going to ask any more questions. Thank you. Well, Father Fred, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we're moving right along today. We're in chapter 26 of Genesis. Get your Bible out for yourself. And if you can't keep up maybe with where we're jumping around, you might get a pencil and paper and write down whatever scriptures that we're going to be looking at. But first of all, let's look at chapter 26. We just start with verse 1, and you're going to hear some familiar things. Verse 1 says, There was a famine in the land. Now, that's the third time there's been a famine in the land. We've li- we heard that in chapter 12. We heard it in chapter 20. Now we're hearing it again in chapter 26. There was a famine in the land, distinct from the earlier one that had occurred in the days of Abraham. Now, Abraham was the father, and this is Isaac, and we're going to have the same king and the same town, and it's not that this king is so old, it's just they're retelling the story. And So these three famines are the same, or are only two of them the same? The J story is telling his second time, He had chapter 12, where it was Abraham and Sarah, and now we're going with his son, with Isaac and Rebekah, and they're just stories. They just tell them to get along. You know, George and I were reading a book. What's the name of that book, George? Inspired Imperfection. Inspired Imperfection. And it's about the different writers that are in there. They tell the same story, and it makes it look like that there's, there's discrepancies or contradictions. But there's not. These these are just stories that are being told. And this writer of the, of the book decided he was going to change it from the Word of God to the stories about God. And that's what we're really reading about. We're reading about stories that different people tell. This one happens to be the same one that was in chapter 12, the Jason source. So these famines didn't really happen? Possibly they did, possibly they didn't. So that means that these famines are kind of like parables in a way, where they tell about how God works. That would be right. That's one way to look at it. They could be they could be called parables. Yeah. From a traditional point of view, they're saying Abimelech could be the title of a king, like Pharaoh was the title of the Egyptian king. And this is a Philistine king. So they, they're saying Abimelech may not be the person's name. It could be their title. So they're saying this could be three different kings, and they all have the title Abimelech. That's possible. If you're going to try and read the Bible literally, you got to figure out something like that, because he's getting too old to to want to have not just Sarah, but now he even wants Rebecca. If you're going to read it literal, you got to figure out something like maybe it's three different kings, but uh, you don't even worry about that if you're not reading it literally. So in the last podcast, Isaac had twin sons, Jacob and Esau, mm-hmm. and Rebecca loved Jacob, and Isaac loved Esau. Esau was a hunter. He came in, he was starving, and Jacob 
got his birthright by giving him a bowl of stew. Mm -hmm. And the stew was red, and it was named Edom. So Esau's nickname became Edom. And Edom and Esau both mean red, the color red. And later, Esau lives in Edom. And we read that Esau is going to serve his older brother for a certain time, and then he's going to get free. Later on in the scriptures, we're going to read about King David. He conquered Edom, but after the the kingdom split in two and broke down and were conquered, Edom got their freedom. So when they're talking about that Jacob is going to rule his brother Esau for a while, and then he's going to be free, it's talking about really two different countries. One country is going to own the other, but Edom will get its freedom. Okay. And Edom and Esau come from the same root that means red, just like that red stew. Let's go back now to verse 1. It's starting back again to the, the famine in the land. That's the third time now we've got a famine in the land. It's distinct from the earlier one that occurred with the days of Abraham. Now, that's his daddy. So his daddy pulled off this trick about this is my, my sister, and we're going to hear the same thing here. And Isaac went down to King Abimelech. George, that makes it a little uh, awkward from what some scholars are saying because it says down to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. So Abimelech here I don't think means just king. I think this is his name, and he is the king. Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in the town of Gerar. And that's the same town that's in chapter 12 when Abraham and Sarah went down. So if this is the same king, he's either very old or very naive because he fell for the same trick that's, a couple of times. That's true. Or it's just the writer decided, hey, that story worked good the first time. We'll try it the second time. That's the first one. Let's look at verse two. The Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, but camp in this land wherever I will tell you. So they're not going to go to Egypt this time. Now, in chapter 20, they do go to Egypt. That's the E story. This is the J source. Verse 3 says, Wherever I tell you to go, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I'll bless you for you and your descendants. I will give all these lands in fulfillment of the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. So remember that God told Abraham he was going to have all of this land, and now Abraham's gone. He's passed away. So his son Isaac is going to get the land now. This is just a return or a rerun of what the, his parents went through. Verse 4 says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. That's the same thing that we heard in, in chapter 12 when God was talking to Abraham. I will give them all these lands, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth will find blessing. All the nations of the earth. And I wonder what that means. They sure didn't know where Tennessee was. <laughs> they, didn't know, they didn't know where Germany was. wonder what all of the nations of the world were at that time. Well, I'm wondering if this is a messianic prophecy. Could very well be. So, in other words, Jesus is going to be a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so forth. And Jesus died for the sins of everybody. And that's how the nations are going to be blessed. Okay. Certainly a good thought. Another thing is that at the very beginning of Genesis, in chapter 2, when they're talking about the rivers going all, all the different directions, it mentioned there that one passed Assyria. And so what I'm wondering is, maybe they're talking about all of the nations that were around at the time that 
that part of scripture was written. So it could mean that. I mean, geographically, those places will always still be there. So I'm wondering if it's talking about the locations of the countries. Yeah. And another thing, it says those four rivers will cover the earth with water. Now, you know that those rivers are not going to get over to a different continent. I want, I want to read the very last of chapter of verse 4. It says, And all of your descendants, all the nations of the earth will find blessing. Now skip from 4 to 6, and it says, So Isaac settled in Gerar. That fits perfectly there. Verse 5 is thrown in sometime later because it doesn't have anything to do with going from 4 to 6. Verse 5 says, This because Abraham obeyed me, keeping my mandate, my commandments, my ordinances, and my instructions. As the redactor put this together, if a sentence he thought would look good there, he would just stick it in there. Then it didn't all make sense. It's almost like he wanted to remind the reader of why Abraham was being blessed and why Jacob was going to be blessed and why Isaac was being blessed. Mm -hmm. So are these redactors the same thing as the writers? The redactor is what we call it, would call an editor. They bring these writings to him, or he's got these writings. They're just short stories, like the story of the flood and the story of creation, the story of the Abrahamic covenant. Those are just individual stories, but he didn't want them to have a bunch of individual stories, so the redactor puts in phrases in there to hook one to the other. Let's go now to verse 7. Here it gets interesting again. When the men of the place asked questions about his wife, he answered, heard this before, she is my sister. He was afraid that if he called her his wife, the men of the place would kill him on account of Rebekah, since she was so beautiful. Now, that's the same thing that was about Sarah. This writer thought, well, if it's good for the daddy, it's going to be good for the kid. So he's going to do the same thing. She is my sister. Now, do you think that if his wife is that beautiful, everywhere he goes, does he have to tell people that that's my sister? Or does this just happen to be a, a place where there's a bunch of bad people? It kind of makes you kind of wonder, you know, that why? Just because you see some woman that's beautiful, why would you kill the husband? Verse 8 says, but when they had been there for a long time, this is the first time of the three stories where they stayed a long time. But when they had been there a long time, Abimelech, and again it says, king of the Philistines. So I think Abimelech's his name, and it's just telling that he's the king. I don't think it would say king, king. Verse 9 says this, He called for Isaac and said, She must certainly be your wife. How could you have said she is my sister? Isaac replied, I thought I might lose my life on her account. Now, when did Abimelech find this out? Oh, look back at verse number eight. They had been there a long time. And Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw Isaac fondling his wife, Rebekah. Now, fondling and laughter is the same word in Hebrew. So that's a play on words because remember how what, what Sarah did when she heard that she was going to give birth to a child, George? She laughed. She laughed. And then she lied. She said she didn't laugh. And then she said, that says later, that people will laugh with me because I'm giving birth to this child. And I'm, how old is she? 90 years old. 90 years old. 90 years old. Now, that's going. She's going to be drawing a pension for, for a long time. She's 90 years old when she gives birth. And, and her child is named Isaac, which means laughter and fondling. Then verse 9 again. 
He called for Isaac and said, She must certainly be your wife. He's wising up now. How could you have said she's my sister? And Isaac replied, I thought I might lose my life on her account. I wouldn't marry a woman that was so beautiful that I'd be afraid that I'd lose my life just because uh, we went out to another country. Or maybe, maybe I guess you'd have to be a, a hermit and stay at home all the time or somebody's going to kill you wherever you go. And then he asks him, Isaac, this is verse 10. How could you have done this to us? exclaimed Abimelech. It would have taken very little for one of the people to lie with your wife, and so you would have brought guilt upon us. So nobody touched her. If she was so beautiful, you wonder why nobody would touch her. Anyway, this is the, for the storyteller. Jay is the storyteller. Telling stories, sometimes you get ahead of yourself. Sometimes when we're telling stories, we want to embellish them a little bit. And when we do, we get into trouble. And that's what's going to happen here in just a moment. How could you have done this? And Abimelech then commanded all the people, anyone who maltreats this man or his wife shall be put to death. Now, why would anybody be wanting to maltreat him or his wife? Maybe he's still scared that she's so beautiful that people are going to kill me to get to her. Verse 12 says, and this is going to be different than the other two. Isaac sowed a crop in that region and reaped a hundredfold the same year since the Lord blessed him. Now, here in this story, he is getting land that he's going to raise crops, and God's going to bless him by the agriculture. Do you remember how he was blessed in the other two stories, George? The king gave him gold and cattle. Yeah, cattle and, and slaves and donkeys, camels. He doesn't give him anything here except protection. You, you, you heard the term, crime doesn't pay. Well, boy, that doesn't hold up in the Bible, especially the good guys. Every time they do something bad, they get rewarded for it. Just like when Isaac stole the birthright, he was rewarded. He tricked his brother, and he used his mama to do it. Well, the mama used him. And back in chapter 12, whenever he did all of this lying, he got cattle, he got horses, he got everything. Isaac's doing bad, and now God's going to bless him with all of his uh, agriculture. In, in the scriptures, the, the way they're written, it seems like the worse you can be, the better off you become. If you're in God's favor, if you're not, you get wiped out. Whether you've done something good or bad, uh, for, for in, in the Old Testament, a lot of times people were killed just because they looked the wrong direction or something. I was talk, showing George a paper that I had, the, the wise uh, atheist, and it had in there things that God would do that would be, oh, it would be terrible. And who would want a God like that? One of them was 30 people came late to a meeting and so God killed them all. It's not hard to understand why people will be atheists if you're going to read that Bible literally. Who would want a God like that? Another place in the Old Testament, we have of Moses that God told him to hit a rock and and draw water from it, and he hit it, they said, tw twice. And so he didn't get to go to the promised land. He was he had stopped there and had to die and be buried, not to the promised land that he would, had been promised to. And, you know, you have to stop and think and ask yourself, if you're in the priestly writer, he's the one that has all of the, the bad things happening. Other thing, the other two writers, it's not bad. Jay, for, for instance, he tells the same story about Moses hitting the rock, and he's the hero. There's nothing bad about it. So it depends, you know, who's the writer 
You already know that the same story is told two or three different times by two or three different writers, and each one tells it a different way. The peace source, the priest, had a very severe view of God. Yes. You, you didn't want to be around that priest, and you didn't want to have the God that that priest was representing. Well, let's go back now, back to chapter 26 and to verse 12. We, we had that just a moment ago. Isaac sowed a crop in that region and reaped a hundredfold the same year since the Lord blessed him. 13 says, he became richer and richer all the time until he was very wealthy. He acquired flocks and herds and a great workforce, and so the Philistines became envious of him. Now, this he's also going to come out with a bad situation here for getting, for getting too much. But where was it that he got flocks and herds? How does a person that doesn't have these things acquire them all of a sudden? Verse 15 says, Yes, uh, Noah, you've got something you'd like to say. Could this be an insert from another writer? It could be, yeah. Because the other writers were talking about how he gained all of these possessions, but this writer is talking about how he gained something that, like, intangible protection. So yeah. it could be from a different writer. Uh-huh. Now, and also, and they jump back and forth, but also this one, he had to get the flocks and the herd some way, but it wasn't that King Abimelech gave them to him. He just happened to acquire these later in his, in his life. Verse 15, let's look at that. The Philistines had stopped up and filled with dirt all the wells that his father's servants had dug back in the days of his father Abraham. So they've had wells there for a long time, and wells in a desert are necessary. They have to be a blessing from God. Wells and trees, because trees had to give them the shade in the desert. Now these Philistines that didn't like them, they stopped up all the wells, plugged them up. So Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us. You have become too numerous. Now, in the other time, Abimelech wanted them to leave because he was afraid they would put a curse on him. This one, he says, go away because you have become too numerous. There's a different reason for them to leave. Verse 17 says, Isaac left there and camped in the Wadi Gerar where he stayed. 18, Isaac's going to make things right. Isaac reopened the walls which his father's servants had dug back in the days of his father Abraham, and which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham's death. He gave them names like those that his father had given him. But when Isaac's servants dug in the wadi and reached spring water in their well, the shepherds of Gerar, they got mad. They argued with Isaac's shepherds, saying, The water belongs to us. So he named the well Essek, because they had quarreled there. Essek means they had quarreled. Verse 21 says, Then they dug another well. Can't get the first one, we'll try the second one. And they argued over that one too. So they named it Setna, and they're going to leave it also. So he moved on from there and dug still another well. But over this one, they did not argue. He named it Rehoboth and said, Because the Lord has now given us ample room, we shall flourish in the land. So now he's got cattle. Now he's got water. And from there, Isaac went up to Beersheba. Now, Beersheba is in the south, and that's where the Jace source is from. Beersheba is down toward Egypt. The same night, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of Abraham, my servant. 
even though you're a lying cheater. One thing that I find really weird is they put they drove Isaac out, right? Because mm -hmm. they didn't want him to like get hurt, injured, or anything, and they're all jealous. But Isaac did nothing wrong. They did. So why doesn't God like God punishes people for the smallest things? What about an entire nation against one person? What happened there? This writer is not the priestly writer. If it had been a priestly writer, they would have probably wiped those guys out. So it's, this it's, is a writer that is very cordial and friendly and amiable and wants to be with his people. So it's going to have much less violence. So is there a priestly writer who wrote this part of the story and wiped out all the Philistines? Not in this story. Not in the three versions of the story. That same night, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Do not fear, for I'm with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of Abraham, my servant, your daddy. So Isaac built an altar. Now that's the same thing that Abraham did back there at the same time. Abraham built an altar. So this writer's got the same thing running through. So Isaac built an altar there and invoked the Lord by name. That's the same thing that his daddy did. After he pitched his tent, Isaac's servants began to dig a well nearby. You never can have too many wells in the desert. Verse 27 says, Isaac asked them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have driven me away from you? He made him leave. And now he's coming back to see him. He's got a fear because he sees Isaac as one of God's chosen people. And he's coming back now to try to make a covenant. Verse 28 says, they answered, we clearly see that the Lord has been with you. Yeah, that's why he's back there. He knows that the Lord is with him. So we thought, let there be a sworn agreement between our two sides, between you and us. Let us make a covenant with you. And they're making that covenant because they're scared. This is verse 29, and we're almost to the end. You shall do no harm to us, just as we have not maltreated you, but have always acted kindly towards you, and have let you depart in peace. Yeah, I protected you, so I want you to do something for me now. So now, may you be blessed by the Lord. Isaac then made a feast for them, and they ate and drank. Early the next morning, this is verse 31, Early the next morning, they exchanged oaths. Now, he's getting protection from Isaac. Then Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. Verse 32 is, That same day, Isaac's servants came and informed him about the well that they had been digging. They told him, We have reached water. That is another reward for a, a crook. He called it Sheba since the name of the city now is called Beersheba to this day. That is the end of the story. Now, the last two verses is going to be priestly data, and that's what a priest does. He doesn't tell a story. He just puts out data. When Esau was 40 years old, and that is Jacob's brother, he married Judith, daughter of Barry, and here's a bad note, the Hittite. They don't like Hittites. He married Barry, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. But they became, and here's the bad news, they became a source of bitterness to Isaac and Rebekah. Now that's the end of that chapter. And the Hittite women are going to put a curse on this family in the future. This end of the chapter kind of makes it sound like 
Esau was the instigator, but Jacob is the one that took advantage of Esau and took his birthright Mm -hmm. and took his blessing. Yeah. Remember the very first time that the name Jacob and Esau was mentioned when they came out of their mama? What was Jacob doing? Grabbing Esau's heel. He came out of that womb, a hold of his brother's heel. He didn't just get the heel. He got also his birthright, and he got all of the promises. All right, Father Fred, that's all the time we have for today. But wrapping this up, how can we apply some of these lessons to our life? Well, I think we have to realize that we sure live in a different world. Maybe, just maybe, if you're going to do something wrong, it's best to be right with God. Because the only one that gets rewarded for doing wrong are the ones that are God's chosen people. Well, I'm going to look at that in a little bit more gregarious manner. Okay. Perhaps if you have a relationship with God, your sins are forgiven and he blesses you anyway. If there's anything at all that makes sense, that's it. All right, Father Fred, thank you again for your time. God bless you. And today I, I didn't forgot to mention I have a visitor from Idaho that's here with me today. Sean came down. Sean's a friend of my daughter's and my friend too, but, but they kind of grew up together, Sean and my daughter, Melissa. He lives in Idaho and he's come down and he's visiting with us today. And I've only known Sean a very short time, but he seems like a great guy and he's helping us a lot with this podcast and giving us some ideas. So thank you very much, Sean. All right, Father Fred, next week or next episode, number 21, lucky 21. Oh boy. Yeah. And we'll be in chapter 27. All righty. See y'all next week.